Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week we are joined by Gary Butterfield. You guys know Gary. He's uh, one half of the Bonfireside Chat podcast and um, one half of the DuckFeet.tv network. Probably the reason I'm in podcasting today is Gary and his partner Cole. Um, We have a delightful chat about all things Dark Souls and everything else in between, uh, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, if you would like to be on the podcast, send me an email to dguspodcast at gmail.com with your soul story. first question out of the gate was why he hated dark souls 3 so much uh, but i think that one's like oh, a, a softball for you because everybody knows why you yeah, hate dark souls 3 so much so uh can you tell me about like the very I... first time you tried a souls game um yeah like a souls game or, or a from soft game um you tell me uh because the uh I, I forgot about this at the time but uh i ended up playing kingsfield was one of the first playstation games i played without knowing who from was or having any idea about it. Oh yeah. And I, I okay. remember, yeah, it's a, uh, and it has a, there's, you know, there's stuff in common. Like I remember, um, you start out, uh, on this cliffside outside of a cave and there is like a slug thing down a path that is way too hard for you. Like it gives you a meat wall. There's like a graveyard, uh, right there. And even as like a, you know, when I was playing it, when I was like 18, um, I was like, I bet you I can kill that thing if I get really good at like circle strafing it. And then and then killed it and went further and got killed by something else. But they still had that kind of that philosophy to it. And then I was like, oh yeah, Kingsfield. I have a fond memory of that. But it was pretty clunky and slow. And I you know went through like phases of not playing video games and then just didn't think about Kingsfield for years until uh, Dark Souls came around. Like, did you recognize and, like when uh, you remember, started remember playing Dark Souls one? Like, you were like, oh yeah, this is the Kingsfield guys. Like, you kind of recognize the name. No, no, I ended up having to look it up. It made sense once I looked hmm. it up, but I didn't, uh, I didn't feel it in my, in my hands. But um, yeah, and I, I got into uh, Dark Souls because of, because uh, partly because of Cole, because Cole like recommending it, you know, just saying like, hey, you should play this game. And then uh, my friend Levi, who is on an episode of the first season of uh, Bonfire Side Chat, he's on the Sense Fortress episode, and uh, he recommended it to me. He's in my my D and D group and stuff, and he uh, did a really good job of like knowing things that i liked and then telling me that they were there okay and the thing like you would we'd, we'd be gaming and i'd be like oh this thing this thing's awesome and he's like yeah there's some good you know good skeletons in, in dark souls or like there's some like i'm like man this is a badass demon you know because that's that's me i like uh i like shitty fantasy art stuff and then uh he'd be like well you can see some demons <laughs> yeah check out dark souls <laughs> and uh, just kind of prodded me and kind of between the two of them i i picked it up on my my computer and uh, and played it. So this was uh, like the year after it originally came out. Then, like you didn't catch it on console mm-hmm. or anything. So you started with the Atorius yeah. and the Abyss edition, which makes me crazy jealous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I never played. Uh, I don't think I had a console that would play it. I bought a PS3 just as a Demon Souls machine, and uh, I think I had an Xbox at that point that was just for Rock Band, but it was in storage. I used to play Rock Band with my ex-wife, and then uh, you know we we divorced due to Rock Band. 
and then we and then we stayed divorced because of that cursed rock band. Damn, um, harmonics! If you're listening, yeah. fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah, the green grass and the high tides. Fuck you. <laughs> Nobody can do that as a couple. Um, the uh, so you know we used to play it all the time, and then uh, it just kind of went in the closet. So I didn't even consider getting it on a console. Like I did at that time, 100 percent of my video game playing on on my computer, and. Uh, yeah, so that is the way that made sense. And you had never like even heard of Demon Souls at this point. Like Dark Souls was like your original first no. first quote unquote Souls. No, game. but I got like when I got into it, I got deep. Like there are certain like media things that um I get like unreasonably uh hungry mm-hmm. for once I get kind of a taste. Um so this was something where I played it once once it clicked. And it never I never had like a uh, I'm walking away from this period like a lot of people do. Um you know, I pushed through the the entire time. Like I was pretty into it from the start this isn't a brag or anything but i was just like yes this is good like things would be really hard i remember having a hard time understanding like why invaders uh <laughs> why invaders like, is an excellent question but, uh, that's my, that's a whole yeah, different podcast why, i'm launching like, next week <laughs> yeah <laughs> why invaders um but i remember i was just kind of into it the whole time and then as i started kind of uh getting into it i uh came across either i just came across it naturally or cole mentioned uh the body's prepared to cry videos and that set me down a rabbit hole of looking up stuff online about the game, uh, which is like reading the TV tropes and reading message boards and stuff. And I just became like it was a, a hobby just to watch YouTubes and read message word posts about the game in its entirety. And there are very few other pieces of media. Like I think when I uh, when I ended up getting over the hump on Game of Thrones and like marathon the whole series, um, after that I was like, oh man, I'm going to read a bunch of stuff online about this because – Something has switched in my head. I'm not comparing the works. Like, I think it is, uh, you know, but it is a, uh, I got way, way, way thirsty for just whatever I could get my hands on. What was the, uh, or what do you, like, looking back, like, what would you think the, the switch was? Like, when did that happen as you were playing the game? Like, was it getting to Sense Fortress? Was it beating a certain boss? Like, what, 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 what changed from, hey, this is a game I'm playing that my friends have recommended to me that's good to, I have to consume all the media about this game immediately? Uh, yeah, it was it was it was figuring out that uh, the story stuff. So like I, I I think that if um when Cole and I have been on things and we get both get asked something and if you were to uh, categorize the two of us, I think you could like we're very similar and that's the way it makes it hard to drop differences between us in the way that we like these things. But um, I do think that it's probably true that if there's a sixty forty split, like he is probably more on the story side and probably more on the mechanic side. Um, just in general, too, I think. And I think that's true of most games. Like, I think that if, you know, that comes through in Watch Out for Fireballs, too, um, where that's that's more my focus of, of that's more my interest. Um, but uh, for Dark Souls, like, mechanically, I was just like, oh, this is great. I remember thinking, like, very specifically, like, oh, how, how would I ever play a God of War game again? Like, this is, you know, this is perfect for, for an action game. This feels great. Uh, but it was just, like, a really good action game uh, that I really enjoyed until I realized, like, oh, like, there's a reason for all of this kind of just fantasy detrius that's around. Um, you know, there's actually, there is a, these things that I would just assume there's no answer to because video game, uh, there actually is an answer to, and the answer is really cool. And it requires you like piecing together parts from across this world. And when I figured that it engaged me like really personally, as opposed to just kind of like it with my hands, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of where it got my, got my brain as well. 
Like, so at that point, were you were you trying to read item descriptions and, and, and looking at stuff, or did you not realize, like, what those meant at all? Because it took me a long time to, like, I would pick up a sword, and I would look at, like, the stats, and then I'd hit the ne- the button, like, the X button or whatever, and it would have, like, three paragraphs, and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's not the stats that I'm looking for. So I would just skip it all. It took me, like, weeks of playing Dark Souls to even realize that that stuff mattered. I think it was when someone finally said, do you need to read the description of the key that you just got to figure out where to go next? I was finally like, oh, that stuff's important. Okay, maybe I'll start reading it every once in a while. Yeah, re- real similar with the uh, the caveat or the, the thing that I had already uh, started doing kind of internet lore diving mm-hmm. at that point, um, where I had started, uh, like, I'd seen, you know, at that point, like, the the couple of prepare to cries that have been out and stuff and they reference item descriptions in them so i kind of knew that they were important but it is such a like when you just pick up a random one and it's such a they're not all important and there are so many of them are such small pieces of a huge jigsaw puzzle that it becomes like pretty until you kind of know how to to organize them and file them in your head uh, it becomes very difficult to kind of just like be a new player and get anything meaningful from them so when I went back to uh, Demon Souls, or when I played Dark Souls 2 or the previous games, I kind of knew what to look for. So I'd look through item description, and I'd be like, oh, this name has appeared twice. Like, this person's going to be important. Or uh, this land has appeared, you know, what do I know about this land? Well, this piece of grass says this about it. File that away in my mind for, like, what I know about this grass. And like everybody, you were just hungry for more information on that legendary BM, just like everybody else was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the legendary uh, is it the is it the, yeah the legendary BM. Yeah, I think it's actually yeah. Big M, but I mean we can like just ignore the big. Yeah, it, it is it is a legendary uh, BM. The um, yeah, I just I just showed Brayton that part. I was just playing replaying Demon Souls and got to show him those, those fists. <laughs> uh, That's really funny. Dragon Slayer, legendary Big M. I always I always want Big M to be the Big M that Magneto wears when he's on trial. <laughs> His his uh his his uh professional M, not his like business casual M, or his casual just straight yeah. up casual Friday M. His actual like I gotta go up and like speak to a judge M, right? They're going to court, man. <laughs> yeah, you got court. You got a traffic violation. You got to put on your big M. You got to put on your, your finest purple tunic and your and your most sleeveless of shirts. I, um, I was and, criticizing uh, people on the uh, SDDQ for wearing shorts on the couch and like like dude, like you're you're being broadcast to like you know. Like tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands, depending on that. Like, mm-hmm. put on a goddamn pair of pants. Like, nobody wants to see your pasty white yeah. thighs. <laughs> Is your mom You're watching? Muscular like, and oddly hairless. Ugh. Like, like his his thighs are very hairless for a man of his heritage. Uh, <laughs> just just based on people who I know, um, I'm very surprised by how smooth and silky his thighs are. Ooh, so silky, so like smooth. Two, two twin buckets of milk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just Magneto just like sits Indian style, <laughs> just like ooh, silky. <laughs> Going back to uh, something you said earlier, uh, I, I kind of find it interesting that you got like kind of partway through the first game and then we're like, I want to consume everything because that's having listened to the podcast and known you for a little while now. I like I know that's one hundred percent the opposite of how you went through, say, Bloodborne or Dark Souls three. Of like, I'm going to shut the world off and play these games so that I can experience it for my first time. When was it that you kind of came to that change of like, I want to experience this just for me, and I don't want to see anybody else's opinions on this? Was that something from the podcast, or was that something that just like it changed from in the way that you approached the game? It was just from going into a game where I could be on the ground floor, like I didn't have to worry about all the work being done. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was with Dark Souls two. Um, so with Dark Souls and Demon Souls, like 
I had the sense that like, I, I feel like in those seasons and I feel like with my playthrough, like there's insight that I had that is not, you know, widely replicated online, but I had the sense of like, oh, this has been kind of done to death. Like this is me writing, you know, going into a college, you know, freshman literature class and writing a, a report or writing an essay about great expectations or something. You know, like this, this has been, this is widely, widely trod territory. So when Dark Souls 2 came out and I got way into shutdown mode, it was because it's like, oh, I really want to have this feeling of not being able to have that safety net or being able to have that kind of a uh, libretto to guide myself through looking through the lore. How, how important um, is it to you to come like now that you're, you, you're kind of, you're that kind of, you are the premier like Dark Souls podcast that are, that's out there. Um, like how important is it to, for you to come to your own conclusions and that stuff? Like, during the show like or after your first playthrough like are you is it a struggle to kind of separate your own opinions out from like the popular you know the collective opinion of a particular piece of story or lore or character uh you know, not really like i think like the, i will i will come to a conclusion and i will read other people's ideas and then i just kind of buy it or not mm-hmm. you know based on based on my experience or what's what's there you know and it it's Sometimes it it doesn't. Sometimes it's kind of a bitter sw- bitter pill. Like, do you um do do you have a spoiler policy on this podcast? I, I do, and it's that all spoilers are allowed. Oh, good. Yeah. That's, that's a good good policy. <clears throat> According, that's um. So like, I I'm pretty was pretty resistant to the nameless king thing in Dark Souls three, uh, just because I didn't like it. You know, like it's uh, I think that it is the case. I think that is Gwyn's firstborn, but I didn't like it. Um. So, but at the same time, the evidence was overwhelming, and it was like okay. I can go along with that. It doesn't fly in the, you know, it doesn't make sense with what I wanted to be true. Um, but it's, I think it is actually the case. I had the same reaction um, too. So Lair being the, uh, uh, you know, son of Gwen or what have you in the first game, like when people would trot out those ideas of, well, you know, he wants the, his own son and fire and lightning and all that stuff. And I just, I just was so resistant to that before we ever heard about Dark Souls 3, but just because I hated it so much. Like, I didn't care what the lore said. I was just like, fuck it, in my headcanon, he's definitely not. He's just some dude. So, <laughs> I under- See, understand. I really liked Solaris, the, the son. Did you really? Yeah. The, uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I think that it, like, I just made a sense. He had a son that's a, the moon. He has a son that's the sun. He has, like, it just, I think it made, like, a nice kind of, and he doesn't know why he's drawn towards something. Like, it felt like, like perhaps he had lost his memory and this was kind of a, a, he just knew on some kind of metaphysical level, he had to seek the sun, you know, and that's what drove him towards Gwyn because there's nothing like we know why he seeks a sun. We know what happens when he finds a false sun. We have no idea why he's going to go link the fire, you know, like he doesn't like he's, he's another traveler who's on the quest, but he mostly just talks about the sun thing. So like something had to be drawing him towards Gwyn and that made a lot of sense to me. And it was it was the kind of like the to me it it wasn't the perfect like Dark Souls theory but it was close to where it was like this is sixty percent filled out, mm-hmm. and then when the thing with the Nameless King is Nameless King is a hundred percent filled out, you know it's just a sentence it's not uh, there's no archaeology there, like you're it's it's almost like you're just taking the item descriptions and placing them in in order to to do a word jumble, you know it, there's no missing it leaves there. absolutely nothing to the imagination which is kind of my issue with it yeah but, and that's even outside of which the is, fight mechanically a, right like just uh, just from a from yeah, oh, perspective yeah. yeah and that's that's a big dark souls 3 thing is that like things are either too explicitly uh laid out or not laid out at all like the things i want to be laid out aren't don't have enough information like i still feel like and i could be proven wrong about this i'm the first to admit when i'm like wrong about something but like i feel like there's not really enough information in the game to explain the profaned flame 
Like I don't, I just like, I've read everything there is to read about it. I've looked, read a lot of theories. A lot of them require a lot of jumps, you know, uh, but that we just know there's this flame that doesn't go out. We don't know anything about it. We don't know, you know, it, it's not fully, fully explored. Um, so that ends up being something that's permanently at like 40% explained. Mm -hmm. And then the things that are explained are at a hundred percent, you know, and there's not that like sweet spot of like 70 to 80%, you know, where you have to make some kind of like some jumps, but you don't have to literally leap across a chasm. Yeah, they're not, they're not totally to blind. Like you're, you're actually like you're using, you're using the prism stones to get across the crystal caves. Like you have some direction. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what, what that's led to, I think with dark souls three is a lot of people who are, uh, they seek that like 30% fill in thing and they're making connections that don't mean anything. And um, there's a lot of things like, I don't, uh, like, uh, I remember on Slack for a little while, there was people and I'm not calling them out specifically. It just was a, an example that comes to mind. So I don't mean any ill will to anybody who's doing this, but they're like, Oh man, you know, Rosaria is definitely, uh, Aldrich's sister, you know? And I was like, huh? Like, okay. Why, why do you think because that? Of the and it's just like thing? proximity like, or, and then, yeah, like the slug thing, which is, which is not a, a thing, but it was like the slug thing and proximity and stuff. And it was just like, like, I, I, I'm sympathetic to you is that you're feeling this urge to put together pieces that this series has driven in you, but the pieces are not as good this time. So that's not really a thing. Like there doesn't like, even if you put together and add up those, that, that invisible bridge, it doesn't take you anywhere. It's like an invisible bridge to nowhere. So what if she's his sister, you know, but like, I don't think she is, there's nothing to support it. But like, if you make those leaps of faith, you aren't really rewarded. I think it's also, um, it's also weird because dark souls three kind of specifically, it almost seems like it wants the player to, to try to jump from that, you know, that 50 to that last, but to get to that 100, because like, and it wants to inspire you to say, well, so-and-so is, is so-and-so son or daughter or brother, or like it wants, it really wants you to ask those questions. And I feel like the first game didn't really care. Like none of their characters necessarily had to be related. And if they just happened to have like these connections to each other, then it was really good and interesting. Like, you know, um, like, uh, Smo maybe not actually being one of the four knights versus like all of these other four knights that had this tight relationship with each other that appear throughout the game. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's interesting where it's, you, you hear someone like, uh, Yorshka say, father Gwyn and then everybody's like and, I've, and I'm guilty of this too of like well she's obviously the direct descendant of Gwyn and I'm like well I mean or not the dude was a god <laughs> like we call gods yeah. fathers like there's there's popes everywhere in this game like it doesn't necessarily mean that but it almost like it's what well, it, it <laughs> wants you to go there <clears throat> yeah it I think I think that is like kind of endemic of a general lack of indifference that Dark Souls 3 has where like the earlier games in the series are kind of known for this not really given a fuck about the player and dark souls three cares a lot about the mm -hmm. player in, in like a lower perspective, you know, like it is a, and that comes down to the fan service thing. And then it also comes down to this idea that like, uh, it was like made by somebody who, and I know who it was made by, I'm just saying what it feels like. Uh, it feels like it is made by somebody who kind of understood that part of dark souls, but really wanted to make that work for a certain kind of person. And in the, in, in doing that, like really alienated me. Like it, it's, but it, it feels calculated in a way that doesn't feel indifferent. Like I'm not, it's not, it's meeting me more than halfway for these things. Even Dark Souls. And, uh, and I want to, I want to come to them. I, I've used this analogy before on this podcast and it's not anything that like I personally came up with. I'm not claiming credit for it, but Dark Souls 1 really felt like it's a, it was a world that had moved on. Like they had written this history of this world and then the world had moved on. So, and I say that because I'm such a Dark Tower 
uh, fanboy, but um, like the world had moved on to such a point where some of that history still applied, and then like the game itself like tore a bunch of pages out of that book and then gave it to you. So like some of the stuff mm. was there, some of the stuff was there, but in kind of a different way. But like Dark Souls Three seems very specifically of like, hey, we want to tell like this thing, and that's not a bad thing. I just think it's different, and I think especially when it comes to storytelling, I really preferred the way that Dark Souls One did it over just about any of the games besides Bloodborne, um, because I think Bloodborne is one of the is probably the game that succeeds the most on its storytelling for me. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. Uh... Three and not turn this whole thing into like a three bass crash because like I still have a lot of fun with it. But I think that the uh, it is what you said about it being just a fine way to tell a story. It's just different. I think that's true. I think that uh, when it tells its story about the new world that we've created, it is really cool. You know, uh, it's just the the kind of it goes a little bit further and kind of trips over itself and in, in the callbacks and like we don't have to have that whole discussion again. But <laughs> that's where it kind of loses me. Where it's like at first I felt like oh this is just a different way of telling a story and that's fine. You know, like um, Bloodborne had a different way of telling its story too. Like the the plot of Bloodborne is very is kind of direct in a weird way, and it didn't tell its story as much through like item descriptions and stuff. We talked about this a lot on the podcast, but like the lack of equipment and items in Bloodborne meant that the story was told in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like it constrained the narrative space. Like it had to be a, a kind of a simpler story because you had fewer things to tell you the story. You know. Um, and, and that's a, that's a different way of telling the story too. And that's actually, you know, that's good. I like, I love the story of Bloodborne. Like it might be my favorite, like macro plot uh, of any of the games. Um, so that was a way of different way of doing it that kind of fully succeeded. And I think this, the three, their way of doing it is like a half success, you know? Yeah, I can, I can see but, that. Yeah. But I, I mean, like just to stay on Bloodborne for just a, a hot minute, like, especially when like, cause you kind of felt, I kind of felt like it had, most people had kind of figured out like what there was to figure out in the game. And then for the DLC to come along and kind of blow that open, but also fit inside of it with one minor exception, which I guess could be a major exception mm-hmm. uh, with the chalice dungeons. But like to have all of that work together so well is, was just amazing to me. Like playing through the DLC and, and what that meant reflecting back onto the rest of the game was just such a cool moment for me. Like even more better than Artorias of the Abyss because it was, it felt much more integral to what you were doing as the character in the main game. Are you uh, specifically, since there's mm-hmm. no spoilers, are you specifically referring to uh, like the Bergenworth side of that or the Hunter's origin? The, kind of the Hunter's origins got of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really, that's a really strong kind of recontextualization mm-hmm. of the thing. I mean, the whole time you knew that there was some kind of like, this is a compulsory act, you know, for you, uh, but figuring out what it was and having the answer be really satisfying is really good. Um, I, I still think that even with, even with the DLC, like Bloodborne does tell kind of a smaller story, Agree. yeah. you know, or, or like, or there's like less like branches to it. Like everything is kind of all of these different branches of the church and branches of the college are all related to the same, you know, they're, they're different factions within a whole, you know, as opposed to dealing with like entirely different lands, you know, everything comes down to, to Yarnum. It comes down to these, you know, finding this, uh, and be, or like a city that is exposed to these gods. Like that's the story of Bloodborne you know, kind of exposed to these other outer-worldly things. And I think that's and how one of the reasons react. that I, I, I like it when like when it all shakes out. Like, I, so, because, you know, not every story has to be grand, obviously. Like, sometimes, it's like, a short story would be just fine. And I kind of feel like that's the way that... And I know you and Cole have compared a lot of... Uh, as well as CJ from Twin Humanities, a lot of Dark Souls 2 storytelling is, like, kind of miniature short stories. And I think that works well for Dark Souls 2, but, like, as one complete, like, story, Bloodborne just really works for me, like, as a as a thing. Especially, ch- it's like a novella. Yeah, it's like a novella. Exactly. Yeah, especially those chalice dungeons, which we 
we're about halfway through this, so we can get you know just devote the rest of the podcast to Chalice Dungeon and how much how much we yeah. like it. I have another half hour. It's, <laughs> it's been a while since I talked about those guys, <laughs> those lovable scams. Those lovable scams. Um, <laughs> The uh, I I like I don't want to just real quick like I love the the Bloodborne story and just because I think it is smaller doesn't mean that I think it is uh it is any worse I think that what's interesting though and the part that relates to Dark Souls three is that like it's smaller by necessity uh, in part because of how it tells the story you know so like the the Bloodborne story gets told like literally like through text a lot of the time like characters talking to you you know and telling you things there are more cutscenes there are more kind of like things like that and fewer like item description archaeology things fewer references to far off you know people that you maybe have to kind of put things together like i think as far as characters that only exist in item descriptions that don't show up in a cutscene or anything in bloodborne there's only a couple of them and they're pretty minor it's like those two uh grave warden buddies mm-hmm. uh and and there's just there's just very few of them like most of the stuff's actually on the screen which is a good again a good way to tell a story it made it it did a plot that worked with the way that it was going to handle items you know mm-hmm. uh and and it works really well um except for the chalice dungeons which uh <laughs> which don't work remotely um as as like as anything and the worst area in dark souls 3 looks exactly like a chalice dungeon uh, uh, you know that's like the, uh, uh, it's funny you bring that up because uh, me and a couple of guys from slack brian wade and sean account 404 were like as going through those areas for the first time like wow this looks really chalice dungeon <laughs> <laughs> it's just a copy paste of a chalice dungeon man it is so fucking i won't go weird. for i won't go as far as a like, copy paste but like it feels no, it, it feels about as inspired yeah. as like one of their random dungeons that was automatically created using that system like it doesn't feel like it has it's all all right angles it, yeah, yeah. It there's no thought part put into it. i'm sure there was thought like I'm really hesitant to call like game developers lazy or to use terms like copy and paste because I think it's kind of insulting to what they do. But like looking at that and comparing, um, and specifically we're talking about the demon ruins, assuming that we're talking about the same thing. Uh, but looking at yeah. the demon ruins and, and comparing that to any other area in Dark Souls Three, like it's like wow, like what, did you put your like you know, Team Z guys on this? What, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's it's really amazing. I I think I like it less than I like Lost Isolith. Like, cause at least last, last Isolith is like short, you know, like, and has those, like those roots growing out of these like temples and stuff. It's at least kind of it's, evocative. This is just like rooms and hallways. It feels like I'm playing Heroes Quest or like, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm playing uh, Eye of the Beholder on, on DOS, <laughs> you know, it's like that, it, 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 like a dungeon escaped from, um, God, what's the, the name of that, uh, uh, that dungeon crawl, uh, Legend of Grimrock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, it's like a dungeon from that. You know? Yeah, but and with Ooh. just piles of capper demons just everywhere. As far as the eye can yeah. see, <laughs> even even the enemies you fight are just kind of again like if you if you want to use the word copy pasted, like are lots of mobs uh, in in that dungeon. Yeah, and, lots and, of like mobs, and, and, and then just like like hallways with guys who pre- make turrets. Yep, that's oh man, that area, and you can get to it so early. You can get it to it so under leveled to the point where um like that was the that was the very first point that I just said okay fuck it I'm running. Like, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to die. I'm not going to have any souls. I'm going to run to a shiny. I'm going to get it. I'm going to run to the next one. And then we'll see what happens. <laughs> and try to get through it that way. That that, that whole area should have been excised. <laughs> like, that whole, like, Smoldering Lake is, is slightly cooler just because it looks neat. And, like, the the idea of seeing these kind of, like, arch trees or what, you know, what have you kind of burning uh, is really cool. Um, but it's not worth it. You know, not worth it. So where are you at as far as in terms of, um, I, I guess, like, it's it's funny to say this, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but, like, Dark Souls is a weird game that has totally changed my life. Like, 
mm-hmm. and that's a dumb thing to say about a video game, but like it's true. Like there's people that I've met, you included, and there's things that I have done, like start a YouTube channel or start this podcast or been on a podcast at all, like with you and Cole. Like, has any other game been like that for you that you can remember? Like, or growing up, has it changed you that much, or is, is Dark Souls your only one? Because I know we've talked about it in the past, and you've said like it's had that kind of effect on your life as well. Oh yeah, like yeah. When I when I was growing up, there wasn't um, like games would have a, a really personal impact, but wouldn't actually bleed into real life. And I think that's the the difference, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of a beautiful thing for Dark Souls to do because that's the idea, right? Like you you play it uh, with the wiki and with the community. It's designed to put its tendrils in real life. And I don't know if the creators ever had the in mind that there would literally be a cottage industry that would spring up around Dark Souls of like many people, uh, myself included, to a degree that make their living off of it. Mm-hmm. You know, just just being a it is like when I when I talk about like Dark Souls things is like I'm a professional fan of this game, <laughs> you know, which is like a crazy thing to be right. Like and and there were games in which I felt this strongly about uh, growing up, but nothing where like it actually had an effect on my real life because I, I think that's because it didn't uh, require that kind of collaborative dissection that this does. You could consume you know, those like games I, I grew up and I, yeah, like I, I love, you know, I like grew up and I, I love, love, loved, uh, you know, Super Metroid or I love, love, loved Maniac Mansion. Um, but it was just, you know, and I would talk to my friends about that because we'd talk about the things we like, but I didn't need to to understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, like my understanding was alone and then I met other people mm-hmm. and compared my understanding to their understanding. Here, like, I, again, I get to that magic 70% and then I need other people to fill in the places. Like, it's like this uh, real, you know, it's, it's like I'm catching them all. I had to I had to get find somebody who has Dark Souls blue to work with my Dark Souls red to get their 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 insight to form my complete picture. Gary, you're showing your age. Dark Souls Go just came out. Yes. <laughs> it's a it's a geographical based <laughs> game. Oh man, can you imagine Dark Souls Go? Like you walk around and then in the corner there's just like a fucking you know slug. Like a, like there's a, you're healing the ceiling. There's a slug hanging over your bed the entire every time you look at your phone. You and 25 of your friends have recaptured Anne Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, hey, that would be the worst. Get fourteen fourteen thousand five hundred soul coins. Oh god damn. The uh, yeah, with the weird currency that you would have to have built into it. Uh, yeah. Uh, video games are the yeah. worst. I don't know if you know this. It's it's so it's so funny when somebody walks in on you playing Dark Souls and they don't uh, don't understand the idea of souls as being like because it's it's nonsense, right? Like the currency version of souls, where it's like this guy gave me two hundred and thirty souls. <laughs> You know, and then somebody like somebody asked me like, "How many souls do you have?" I'm like, "Oh, I have 846." And they're like, "You had killed 846 people?" No, no. And like, no, not, not, not yet. It's just uh, you know, and it's so it's so nonsense. Like, it doesn't uh, it doesn't make any sense. I love um, because Supernatural, the TV show, does some of this bullshit too, where like they mm-hmm. occasionally they need to go get more powerful souls to power up a dude to go do a thing that never works out because it's Supernatural. But like it's. Like, the last one I saw, like, they literally had a Grim Reaper be like, well, if you wanted souls, baby, I can get you souls. And, like, it's just <laughs> it's just the worst. But I never... And, you know, you think about that, too, because there's all these... Um, in Dark Souls 1, especially, it plays into, like, the placement of some of the items where you get, like, the soul of the hero in a place where a hero could have conceivably been. And that gives you more oh, souls. Yeah. But, like, it's just the, the weird digression between like it's a soul of a hero that gives you 10,000 souls like what are they many souls that make up a bigger soul <laughs> like what are you talking about those are all the people here yeah yeah i i assume that like the idea is that it's a unit of measurement for power sure. yeah. and it's just kind of a you know that the most elegant way of putting it 
Um, it does bring up something really interesting, though, and I, I never uh, did anything uh, with this, but I thought about when I first played Demon Souls, I was kind of struck by um, each Souls game has different, uh, other than Bloodborne, has like different nomenclature for the power of mm-hmm. souls. And you can kind of see something about the value of who, you know who is there or what how what place they they what kind of value they place on these different archetypes. Where like in Dark Souls one, it is like a soul of a, a old hero, I think, or whatever the top one, the twenty thousand soul okay. thing is. And then uh, in Demon Souls, it's different than that. Uh, and then in Dark Souls three, it is it's like forgotten, you know, soul of a, a deserted, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Like they use these different words that kind of denote value that you can kind of use to map value onto different people in that world's kind of a, uh, you know, sure. outlook. I never did like I never did anything with it, but I would be interested to see kind of a matrix of all those different titles that they use and the the title that they correspond to a certain amount of power. You know, like soldier is a really you know fairly powerful thing in uh, Demon Souls, if I recall. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, I think that might be the highest one in Demon Souls, but it is a hero in, in Dark Souls. It'd also be interesting to com- to compare and contrast that with the um, <clears throat> amount of souls the various NPCs or bosses in the world give you. Like, if a soul of a hero gives yeah. you 10,000 souls and Artorius gives you 9,567, well, like, that might make a little bit more sense. That's a cool idea. We, sh- we, should, get our, uh, we, sh- we yeah. should get our buddy Illusory Wall on that. Yeah, I, just, I mean, it would just take some, some fucking around with the wiki, I think. You know, just oh, doing the NPC one, yeah, 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 and just kind of comparing like what is what is a job worth? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're a in, uh, in the world of, of if you're one of the three healers from New Orlando, like what are you worth? What, yeah. what is your worth in this economy? <laughs> yeah, how powerful are you, and what is your? What this is, your is the first worth? step towards like a, a Dark Souls registration system, like like that's led by Donald Trump <laughs> yeah. or some shit. Gary, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the calf registration act. <laughs> Registration Act. That's some of the dumbest shit I've heard all day. <laughs> oh man, uh, we we kind of got off the subject a little bit, but uh, yeah, the 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 concept of of like Dark Souls like seriously affecting who you are as a person, I think, is something that's fascinating because I've done like twenty something of these episodes now, and when I started, I kind of mm-hmm. had the fear in the back of my head of like I'm going to talk to these people and it's going to be the exact same story, like. I started playing, I wasn't able to play because it was too hard, and I came back to it, and now I play it all the time, and it's absorbed my, all my life. But that's actually not the case. Like, I've had some remarkably different stories, like, that people have said, and, hey, I found this game in, like, the bottom of my addiction well, or, or what have you, and it really helped me through those things, or, like... Like you said, like, hey, I just started playing and it was a really great time and it worked for me and like totally changed my life. Like that was a, a positive thing. So I just I keep going back to that because it's fascinating to me. Like I, I yeah. just I look at the community that this game has created and I just like my mind is just totally boggled by it. <clears throat> it I think it I think it is uh, I think it is unique. Um, like and and with, without exaggerating, you know, like the the literal sense of the of unique. Like I can't think of another series that does this that has as much of like a cottage industry kind of built up around it that is economically and socially tied in to things uh, that has inspired, you know, like people have written books about like the design of Mario, you know, but nobody has written a book about the community of Mario, you know, like there, there's a lot of like, this is, this reaches its fingers into all kinds of pies. You know, it is, it is uh, by definition, like a very rich and broad work that can kind of support this stuff. You know, it's like the, um, Something like, uh, you know, when when me or Cole get asked, like, you know, why we start Bonfireside Chat, something that I, like, never quite put into words before now, but something I always kind of struggle to say is that, like, 
and because it probably because it sounds arrogant and I, I apologize for that but like if bonfireside chat didn't exist it would be necessary to create it like the the work demands it you know like it is if we didn't do it someone else would you know like it is just it is such an evident idea that you know is part of like this game is too big to just exist on, on as the game it kind of has to have these things uh and people you know and it's people want it like it is there's a need for it there's a vacuum for it that comes along with this game it has this like vacuum in its wake that needs to be filled with like podcast and and youtube channels and <laughs> thousand page reddit posts <laughs> and uh you know novellas like the pale blood hunt uh you know book yeah absolutely that was written about you know about uh, about bloodborne lore you know like all of this stuff has to uh have to exist and the game kind of demands it you know and i I've asked a bunch of people, like, how did you, like, like once you started playing the game and you were into it, like, what was your next move? And, like, you'd, you'd be amazed at the amount of people that tell me, I went to iTunes and I typed in Dark Souls for in the podcast section mm-hmm. and, like, discovered Bonfireside Chat. And that sent me on this whole new place. Like, as you described, talking about, like, seeing Vadi's videos for the first time and then going, oh, that's why this NPC armor is placed at this particular location. And that, that tells the story of this particular person's, you know, progression through the game alongside me like them finding your podcast is that opens those eyes which i find kind of fascinating as well just that you know a fucking podcast can do that yeah it's it's very i'm really i'm really glad that people like it you know and that people do it or that people dig it like it's not like you know we're not afraid me and cole put on podcasts that nobody fucking listens <laughs> to, you know in terms in terms of, of numbers so it's like we would still do it anyway because we we wanted to do it but i think that it says more about dark souls than it does about us that it's picked up like this you know like and that's not like self-shaming like i think we do a good job but i also think that like uh the game is what kind of gets people to want the product at all you know, or want the podcast at all product uh, people to want the the podcast yeah. at all well i mean product you know, is a good word or, like they want material like they want um yeah uh, sean said this the other day from the lore hunter um we were talking about a, another book series and uh, i mentioned like oh yeah well alongside the book when you get to a certain point like you might want to check out this thing and he's like my favorite thing about finding new media is also finding like media around it that i can listen to and absorb about the media <laughs> and i find that very yes. true like i watch a good movie and then i'm like ooh, now i'm gonna go like find somebody who talks about that a lot and listen to them you know that kind of thing yeah absolutely like i don't read reviews really until after i see a movie and then after i like literally the first thing i do uh, after i see a movie and i'll do it on the bus on the way home if i'm not with somebody is like read the imdb mm-hmm. entry on the production and the trivia and stuff like that like i i want to know the things about the thing after i've done the thing itself and the, the thing about uh, dark souls that's really cool is so when you know we do our other podcast um i you know i attempt to do that kind of research for everything you know we do so like we do a game for we do a game for watch out for fireballs i try to look up the, like i want a bonfire side chat for everything you know like there, there's all because of because of what i do uh but it just doesn't exist for those things like after i finish uh you know we do like deus ex invisible war there's a five minute post-mortem and there's like a 13 minute critical kind of essay on youtube and that's it you know, there are two things about them. So as somebody who also has that like desire for media about the media I love, it's really refreshing to be into something that is so, so, so full of that stuff. You know, this is unrelated, but on another one of your podcasts, you guys do a, uh, like kind of a game facts, you know, dive to try to find like real dumb mm-hmm. game facts threads. Have you ever done that for dark souls? <laughs> like I just had that thought of like uh, going into game facts for dark. It must be like the worst, right? <laughs> um, I have like I don't remember ever looking at the game facts for Dark Souls because the uh, even from the beginning it had a really really robust wiki mm-hmm. 
that was was stronger but that is kind of a that is an idea because I'm, I'm really curious as to what's going on with this uh this melee guide by the craze about <laughs> the craze that's always a good name when you start getting into that kind of stuff right yeah it is so it's so quaint to see this stuff man because it, it is like you know manage your stamina uh you know concentrate on spacing all you know swinging a weapon with two hands takes more stamina than with one hand like all these things that are so basic and the idea of somebody going into this game and not like understanding that it's like i understand i'm not shitting on them of course they don't understand everything's hard until Mm -hmm. you know how to do it but the um just it's so elemental to me the idea of someone going on game facts and being like i'm gonna write a fact about this combat that is literally down to that level but but god bless him for actually writing something into text and posting it online so it's not just a fucking video video. i was thinking about that today of like i was because i was looking something up and all i could find was like videos and i'm like i don't i don't want to read that (laughs) oh yeah it is uh there's like some tweet about it where it's like the order that i want to do things in and it's like number one is like read it in text uh, number two with like pictures and then there's just you know a lot of dot dot dots and then it was like you know read it on the side of a van speeding down the highway youtube tutorial <laughs> after that like number like four thousand because uh, it is uh it is it is the worst and it, it comes up all the time with um when we do smaller games like with with abject suffering or with uh check it out comrade uh, which is the indie game show a lot of those games don't have guides so if i want to look up what comes after the point which i played or get I stick, stuck on something like it's just mm-hmm. videos all the way down uh and it sucks I think that I think that's um that's a, a thing that people decry a lot. I also think that that has a little bit to do with uh, 3D navigation too. I think that um, more games being in 3D or like almost all games being in 3D at this point, uh, major games like you're gonna get more video walkthroughs because it's just easier to describe rather than being like, you know, to to your to your 20 degree angle. Uh, about two thirds of the way up the screen, there's a small ladder. Yeah, you know, if you have because you, you know the camera is variable, so you have no perspective to base. Or you on. get one of those like really yeah. bad maps, like it's in the, um, uh, I think it was the Bloodborne guide that had the awful maps that I couldn't figure out how the fuck they were trying to tell you. Like I mm-hmm. think it was the, specifically the Chalice Dungeon guides where I was looking at them and like looking at the screen and going, I don't know how these connect. Like I just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just give me a picture, man. Like what are you doing? Yeah. Bloodborne, Bloodborne is so hard to map. Yeah, like yeah. in or any Souls game really is hard to map anyway. Like very much so. You know, just um, as I was kind of clicking through as we we're talking to some of this game game fact stuff, uh, Man is Father of the Bliss, uh, Father of the Abyss has six thousand six hundred and sixty six HP. So that's a oh, that's hey. a weird choice of numbers. Like, <laughs> did someone just hit a slot machine no. and? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, that that kind of stuff is real great. I uh, though that digging into like that was like a whole other layer that came like really late like when i discovered illusory wall and that people were actually like finding out the stuff that felt like the, those little white yeah. rings mm-hmm. in uh, dark souls one it was kind of like everyone talks about uh vagrants as being the weirdest thing but like you know i saw a vagrant and i was like oh it's a weird monster that only spawns sometimes and i was like okay with it but those white rings meant nothing to me because i never used miracles um, so that was really, really confusing to me for a long time. And then like hunting him down and finding, uh, going backwards from the wiki, actually, like he had done work on the wiki and then like looking at other articles he'd written and seeing like, Oh shit. Like somebody is actually explaining this stuff. That's really cool. The, the resonance rings were especially bad because they were apparently broken on PS3 for a long time. Yeah, oh, like they were yeah. like they just plain straight up didn't work. Always, um, and, and I never got to prove this and I, sh- I should ask illusory sometime because, uh, I've been kind of curious, but I don't. Like they only affect some miracles, and I never, I could never figure out if they were affecting karmic justice or not with the way that it was cast. And now mm. I, I immediately want to go boot up my 360 and go start invading and see if I can make that happen. 
Yeah, yeah. It would. I mean, it would depend like on what it what it looks at. Like if it does a set amount of damage, if it does a percentage, um, like if the miracle things can scale percentages or if they just mm-hmm. scale numbers. You know, like things like that. Like there's a lot of different factors I could see playing into that. Yeah, we need that um that leaked uh development mode build that was on Steam for a while mm-hmm. to get all that stuff. I guess. Oh yeah. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Karmic Justice was like kind of my favorite thing to do in Dark Souls One. Um, and probably has remained so across all of the souls games of course i'm a big pvp guy do, do you have like a particular favorite run that you did or like a favorite thing that you used for a while before you got bored with it like what was like what's your like your go-to souls thing if you and, and it could be across um, any game the uh the, my favorite run thing was the youtube the magic one i did that was all magic in dark souls one um which was which was really fun and also uh, that was constantly surprising because it was uh Gravelord. Um, and I think I also did the aggressive enemies in that one. I can't remember, um, but it was surprising because, and that was really fun to play through that game and recontextualize it. I've seen they made an aggressive enemies mod for Dark Souls Three, and it looks like a goddamn. Oh nightmare. my lord! I, I don't want to do aggressive enemies with no poise. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. But the uh, just like race to get something um, <laughs> to death. But that was probably the the most fun run. But I haven't really replicated it in anything. Um, the kind of go to is usually the most fun I have is doing a two handed weapon no shield like a big two-handed weapon um, and then putting away my shield, which I don't do on my first run. I usually do that's usually my second run. And uh, in, you know, you do like the meat cleaver and demon souls or the giant club in dark souls one, um, et cetera. And that's really, really fun um, because again, because of that lack of poise, I didn't really do a version of that in dark souls three. Um, right now I'm doing a luck build and they just nerfed Henri straight sword. It sucks. Because I was just uh, just getting into it. And now it's like, it's still good, but it's just, it feels like a straight. Sword. Yeah. I have a, a buddy that's, um, He's a, YouTube, a Halo YouTube guy that I know, um, but he was messaging me on Twitter saying, like, have you used the straight sword in a while? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I haven't really, you know, I haven't played for a couple of days. And he was like, they just nerfed the goddamn thing today, and I just started my build. <laughs> Which has yeah. got to be frustrating. So. It's it's still it's still good, and mine is pretty, I, like, sought out a lot of upgrade materials mm-hmm. as early as you can get them. So it's, I might still be a little bit ahead of the curve, but I'm going to see if there's any other kind of, uh, like, a new luck build. Something I can do with this 35 luck. <laughs> Uh, besides just make people bleed all the time yeah just besides i mean i could just switch it out to a bleed build yeah you know true. i could get a uchi and then do put a bleed stone on it um because bleed is you know fantastic in that game they've apparently adjusted the great scythe so that it's uh comparable uh, i haven't i haven't tried that out oh that's, the, that's uh, good i i tried to use that thing and it was shit i used uh, i used it for uh, a while, while on my first playthrough during my uh just ill-advised magic run because i made it chris i made it I think it's crystal or whatever the magic scaling thing is. And then really, really, really tried to use that thing. And it just is not very good. So, Yeah. I guess, um, no, no reach to, to, to kind of round us down. Uh, I, I always like to ask the people that are on here and it's, and I really want to hear this from you. Cause I don't think I've ever heard you say it anywhere. Like, what is your, what, what is your ideal future for, from software games? Like they've, they've kind of announced that they're working on three projects. One of which sounds like it's a armored core remake. Um, one of which sounds like it's a, weird non-souls game and one of which could conceivably be bloodborne 2 or what have you like what is what's your ideal world like what's your ideal next announcement um yeah i don't so real quick and just thinking about it like i don't necessarily i think that it could be bloodborne 2 i don't think uh as much as i after dark souls 3 i was like i was kind of in the end at camp um i don't think they'll throw this away uh because of money you know like i, I was like i was i'd like to believe that they they would and that somebody would like kind of like exhaust an idea and then not do it again. But like, it's just very hard for me to, these are huge sellers, you know, uh, Bloodborne sold really, really well. Um, so I think that that might be Bloodborne too, uh, which is fine. 
Um, I still would want them to do this kind of this over the shoulder stamina based action set is my favorite way to play an action game. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I want them to keep that. Um, I just want them to uh, I would like something where like what if uh, every game that came out that was a Soulsborne game, so to speak, was not a sequel and explored a different setting and tone and genre with this mechanic. So like I don't really want Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2 did gothic horror with Souls Engine. That's great. But what would a modern game look like with the Souls mm-hmm. Engine? Like a modern, like, you know, the streets of something, sure. you know? What would a sci-fi game look like with the, with the kind of, again, the stamina management, uh, you know, that dodge-based, uh, the, the combat that this is, you know, boss fight-focused kind of thing. Like, what would these different genres and settings look like? I would love to see just kind of new things. Again, that's, you know, financial suicide because, uh, you know, they might do it, but they'll do a Bloodborne 2 before they do that, I think. And, and at this point um, with like, you look at the numbers that Dark Souls 3 have sold and probably have already pre-sold with DLC and you, you just know Namco is just piling like bags of money on top of a table somewhere and going like, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do, do it. Dark Souls yeah. 4. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised at this point if it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, my ideal, like Dark Souls 4, would be Miyazaki says he doesn't want to do it and we get Dark Souls 2 number two. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the guy who did Shadow Tower comes back and he's just like, okay, fuck all this shit. Let's do a just different land, you know, and just and just do a, a whole new set of lore. And that would make me happy um, with, you know, again, I would like to have some of the level designers from, from three. Like, I want that level density, but with the lore and kind of focus. But um, I'd also like if they do, uh, I, I think they are going to do a reboot of Armored Core, which I'm excited about as an opportunity to give it a chance. But I would love to see from do... Um, a modern mechanics fo- focused first person melee game. So like a, a Kingsfield reboot that doesn't feel like Kings, you know, as slow and plotting as Kingsfield. Do you think you could do a first like, person game? that's not, doesn't feel slow and plotting. Cause I felt like, I feel like any first person combat game now, like that's not, spe- spe- not specifically a shooter. Like this feels like, like Skyrim doesn't feel good to me. None of the, none of the elder scrolls no, games like feel good to not, me not at really. all. Like, and I, I can't really come yeah. up with a better example of that. Like, I would want to see somebody try, I guess, is the idea. Like, I don't, I can't, I couldn't do it. I don't, but I don't want to say it's impossible mm-hmm. to do it. Um, because I was just thinking about that. Like, what if uh, you had the, you were exploring a world like a, a FromSoft world uh, from the first person perspective, like Skyrim, but the combat was satisfying and deep as opposed to being the garbage combat that is in Bethesda games, you know, specifically Elder Scrolls games. Um, that would be really interesting to see somebody give it a shot, even if it totally doesn't work. You know, I would still give it a sh- see it, give it a shot. Well, Gary, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I know you're a busy guy. You record a lot of podcasts. I really appreciate you sitting down with me and being on the yeah, episode. Super um, fun. Yeah. Can you tell everybody on the internet where you are on the internet? Yeah. Uh, people who like this podcast, probably, if you know me, you know me from Bonfireside Chat, uh, which is part of the duckfeed.tv network of podcasts. I do a bunch of shows there. And if you go to that website, you can see a big rundown of what they are. Uh, and find something that uh, strikes your fancy. Um, if you like Jeremy, you can choose uh, an episode Jeremy's be on because he's guested on most of mm-hmm. our stuff at this point. I don't think we've ever had you on a watch out for fireballs, but there's still possibility space for that in the future. And um, we have guests on that show from time to time, and you can kind of run the run the gamut. Uh, check off all the <laughs> the duck feed um, bingo. Is that what I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, get the get the duck feed bingo once you get on all the, the AKA the. <laughs> So uh, you can you can head on over there. Uh, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can go to at Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Um, I'm cranky on there sometimes, uh, but it is also fun. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And if you uh, if you want to contact me directly, you can contact me at Gary at Duckfeed TV. Nice. That's my email. Um, yeah. 
And as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer, at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find this podcast at DGUS Podcast on Twitter. If you'd like to send in your own soul story and come on the podcast and tell me all about it, send me a DM there or send me an email at DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you liked the episode.